Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we're joined by indie game developer and writer Ben Jelena to discuss a pair of movies about video game developers and what happens when games start to take over their lives or something like that. First up, Anubhav Sinha's Raw One from 2011, where, in an attempt to impress his son, Shah Rukh Khan develops a powerful villain in a fighting game who subsequently escapes from the game and kills him. But don't worry, he also created a hero who looks just like him. Then Ashwan Saravanan's Game Over from earlier this year, in which Topsy Panu plays a game designer trying to work through PTSD by staying up all night playing Pac-Man. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people. Welcome to the podcast so much, Ben. I am so thrilled that you are here. Thank you for having me. This is we, a long time coming. Yes, we've been wanting to do this for a while and just kind of stuff kept getting in the way. And then, and then Game Over came out in June and I saw it and I thought... This is a sign. This is why that episode with Ben hasn't been coming together. We've been waiting for this movie. Because we've been waiting for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I saw it, all I could think was, I can't wait to make Ben watch this movie, and I have no clue what you're going to think of it. I have I have no clue how to take that. <laughs> like, why would you be so excited for me to watch that movie? It was, because, a, it was a thing. Because what is happening in it? Well, it's got to be really realistic, right, for game development. Sure. And playing Pac-Man on what I think is a PlayStation. I'm not sure. entirely sure how she, she was doing that, but we'll get into that. Yeah. So I have no. Yeah. So before that, uh, we just want to introduce you to our listeners. Um, Hello, you're... listeners. This is Ben. Ben, listeners. So Ben, you're an indie game developer and games writer, and you have your hand in all sorts of video game stuff that you can describe better than I can. So. Why don't you describe for people who you are? Uh, hi, my name is Ben, and I make video games. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I make all kinds of games. I'm currently working on five projects, two of which oh, wow. are with three of which are with like large AAA studios, and then two are my own indie weird things. Um, my background is like I got my start in games working at Bioware, mm -hmm. uh, shipped a bunch of games with them, including. Uh, a couple Mass Effects and a Dragon Age. Uh, and when I say it like that, that was the extent of the games I shipped with them. Uh, now I'm freelance. Those are pretty big games. Yeah, those are good ones. Yeah, people know those games. And that's from our hometown, by the way. So, yeah, Bioware is in Edmonton where we live. Yeah. Edmonton. Um, and then, yeah, I now I make weird games. Like, I, the one indie game I've released so far is called Speed Dating for Ghosts. It's about speed dating ghosts. And I do want listeners to know that we did offer you the opportunity to come on to talk about movies where people fall in love with ghosts. Yeah. Did that happen? Yes, I offered you video game movies or ghosts, and you said video game movies. Oh. Well, now I'm like, man, those ghost movies might have been fun, too. <laughs> maybe another time. Maybe maybe another part two. Um, unless you've already done that episode with a ghost or something. Uh, we did one of the movies, but there are more. There's tons there, of ghost movies. Yeah. People are always like, following him up with ghosts. It comes up all the time, actually. And yeah, like I, I'm working on a game with Warner Brothers right now. I'm working on a game with, uh, I, I, the most recent AAA game I shipped was Control uh, that came out earlier this year with Remedy in Finland. I'm tired mostly <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and, and I also collect games. 
Oh. Don't you have every uh, NES game? Super Nintendo, I'm missing 24. Okay. So I have almost every game. Uh, How many were there? Like 700, 800? About 700. 700. Okay. Yeah, That's pretty impressive. That, that number is kind of controversial. Uh, mm. What counts, what doesn't. Oh. Like, yeah. Wait, are you saying that video game people sometimes get into weird arbitrary arguments about stuff? No, not at all. Oh, okay, good. We don't want to annoy those guys for sure. Uh, and it, so, I mean, that explains why it's taken a while for us to get this episode together because you've clearly been very busy. Uh, and in addition to all that, you love weird movies. Mm-hmm. I love them. I love <laughs> them so much. And sometimes I feel so I'll, I'll dip my toes into Bollywood. Uh, but I really only have watched the weird ones, which I don't know, maybe there aren't any normal Bollywood movies from a Western perspective, but I feel like the ones that I have watched, usually recommended by you guys, um, <laughs> are especially are are especially entertaining in a very particular way. And I think Raw One is a good example of the kind of Bollywood <laughs> yeah. movie that I'm familiar with that I love. <laughs> Uh, like I love the Doom series, uh, uh, Jadu. Koimogaya. Yes, Jadu. Jadu. Um, it made me want to have a Coca Cola. Did, did it make you want to go run around the hoodoos and like visit the mountains here in Alberta? Yeah. Yeah, and then like stand on one and go like, what? What does he say in the translation? It was so funny. It's like heck. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. In the English translation, he just yells heck, and I'm like. Yay! And uh, I, I think we told you that they had to change Jadu's voice because Rithik Roshan thought that he was getting overshadowed by it, right? That's why it's like that robot voice. Oh, was it like Werner Herzog or what was it before? I don't know what it was before, but it was too good. <laughs> so. Yeah, they had they had someone, I can't remember which actor was doing the voice, and then Rithik Roshan thought that the, that the puppet alien was overshadowing him, so then they moved to that robot voice, so as not to steal his thunder. Uh, keep in mind, his dad is the director of that film. Yeah, you can get away with that. <laughs> the puppet alien still overshadowed him. It kind of does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, why, that's why Rithik Roshan, like excised him from the sequels and also why yeah he doesn't work with you know aliens anymore yeah (laughs) for sure so because i'm like a movie nerd in general too uh i it's fun to to watch bollywood movies because uh a lot of the ways that even the ways that the cameras are set up you know the and and some of the ways that the, the the shots happen are just so different from what i'm used to watching a lot of uh, Western and, I I guess, uh, East Asian movies. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's fun. It's fun to see that, fun to see a Bollywood movie that has very different conventions. And it's somehow like it, I always feel like after I've run a marathon after I watch a Bollywood movie, because it's like three hours plus, but everything's so squished together that it's like, it didn't drag on, but somehow it's dragged on and now it's dark out. And I'm like, what the hell? Or what the heck? heck. <laughs> Good, yes. <laughs> no, it, it it does feel like a you know a whole season of a TV show crammed into one mm-hmm. three hour block sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and yeah. it's a it in some ways it's a completely different kind of visual language than what you see than what we see here in the West and what you see in in East Asia. Uh, I always kind of 
uh, I always kind of describe it like comics for people, like how in North America we developed like this language of superhero comics, but then in Europe they have a completely different language, and then in like Japan and Korea they have a completely different language. And I think when you if you're if you're used to that in other kind of media, you can kind of see how like over a hundred plus years, India just developed their own way of making movies. Yeah. So you like Doom? You like Jadu? What else have you uh, dipped your toes into? Oh gosh, those are the memorable ones. Um, okay. I'm trying to think of others. Uh, we'll have to send a new list. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> Doom two is my favorite. No wait. Oh. Yeah. Doom two or Doom three? Which is the one where they go to Chicago? Doom, Doom 3. three. Doom three is my favorite. Sorry. Doom two is the one with Rithik Roshan again as Mister X. Yeah, the master three, though, disguise. Oh, like seeing Chicago through that movie's eyes is wonderful and perfect, and I love it. Uh, so something I just quickly want to ask you about Ben is just kind of the intersection between um, movies and video games, as you are a fan of both. And what strikes me about these two movies. Um, that are, I find, so different than stuff that I've seen kind of here in the West. Like your Wreck-It Ralphs? Like your, yeah, like your Wreck-It Ralph or your Tron, uh, mm -hmm. is that both of these movies are about game developers, and I can't think of, like, any video game developers. Well, I mean, Tron. Is there a video game developer in Tron? Yeah, the, the, the guy who goes into the, well, okay, Jeff Bridges owns an arcade, but Tron himself looks like the guy who invented Tron. It is almost exactly like Raw One. Okay, I haven't yeah. seen Tron in years, and I saw it once. But but what do you think about kind of um, yeah, like the intersection between movies and games? Uh, I mean, usually it it feels like game movies are in one of two camps uh, in English language cinema, right? There's either the games that are based on, or the movies that are based on game properties. Mm-hmm. Like and they're all almost always terrible or yeah. wonderful in a terrible way, like the Resident Evil movies. Um, I kind of liked or, the Warcraft movie. Warcraft was okay. I know what? See it. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, you can take it or leave it, but it was fine. It <laughs> was. It wasn't like a horrible disaster that some people have said. Yeah, yeah, not. It wasn't Assassin's Creed. I don't understand what that was. <laughs> or, or you get if if it's if it's not about that video game IP. It, it tends to be about players, right? Mm -hmm. um, and not the developers. Because in reality, video game development is not the most uh, exciting work. It's a lot wait, of sitting wait, at a wait, computer. Wait, wait, wait. wait, hold on. Do you not have, like, full motion capture studios and, like, games where children actually do have to use kung fu moves in order to play? So the, there are full motion. I, I mean, for my indie games, I don't. But uh, like WB that I've been working with, right? They have a full motion capture studio, and it it happens. Um, and when we get into Raw One, I want to talk a bit about that because there are things about that game that are technically possible, even <laughs> though it sounds like they, yeah, and they, they just it hasn't happened. So yeah, you know, like video game characters coming into the reality. That's that's something we've been working on, but haven't told anyone for years. So. Okay. You could use that Microsoft uh, glasses thing, right? Yeah, HoloLens. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not that far off. I mean, having like cubes and making people out of cubes is new, but uh, <laughs> we're almost there. I had to look up when that movie was made because I actually was kind of impressed by the like spy kids, but high def. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Like, special effects like there was pretty decent stuff for 2011 in there 
Um, well, it, the, the movie is actually kind of like a calling card for Red Chili's, which is Shah Rukh Khan's company, because he started his own visual effects company. And this was almost sort of like, here's all the stuff that my visual effects company can do. And it is the biggest visual effects company in India. Yeah, I think so. Oh. And it, at first I was like, okay, well, the graphics in the game, when they're, when they're, when they're, I'm making uh, air quotes here, developing the game, yeah. <laughs> uh, is it's very like PS3 era. Yeah. If that, maybe PS2 era almost. I know the PS3 is 2011. That's, that's the console, and they finally they had, show. They had the dev kit early for the PS3, but the, uh, but then when it like the effects in the movie, are definitely beyond that. And I was like, is that intentional? Like basically saying, hey, look, we can we can do way better than an actual video game. I um, think they want to just show the difference between the game and reality, right? Yeah. Well, I think that brings us to discussing round one. So I'll just I'll just introduce it quickly. Uh, so it came out, as you mentioned, Ben, in 2011, directed by Anubhav Sinha, who has since gone on to have a very different career. He released uh, one of my favorite Hollywood films of the year so far, uh, Article 15, uh, earlier this year, which is about, like, sexual assault. <laughs> and the cast structure. Yeah. And police corruption. And it's a very kind of, like, dark thriller and then he also released like gulab gang which is again a, a film that matt and i discussed on the show which is again about um kind of women fighting the patriarchy which also deals with sexual assault so it's so strange for me to reconcile the, the this his his filmography yeah <laughs> because this is so different from everything else i've seen that he's made uh, it stars Shah Rukh Khan, Karina Kapoor, Armin Verma as Shah Rukh Khan and Karina Kapoor's son, uh, Arjun Rampal as a kind of the the villain who kind of really only shows up in the third act for yeah. reasons that we will get into, yeah. and then uh, in a in kind of an opening cameo, Priyanka Chopra and Sanjay Dutt. Who That's get, part of the movie. Who get a big hug from the production team? Yeah, did you see that in the credits? It's a big hug to Priyanka Chopra and Sanjay Dutt. <laughs> right at the start, right after the do not smoke. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we would like to give a big hug to you as well, Ben, yes. for for being our cam. You know, you giving a cameo on our podcast. You're our item number. <laughs> oh, thank you. Please don't smoke. <laughs> Not good for you. You got it, pal. Your description of uh, the director's work. It. I. I just want to go back to my Spy Kids reference because that <laughs> you could say the same thing about Robert Rodriguez, right? Like suddenly throwing out this completely different movie. Not that. Not that any of his movies are responsible, like those ones sound like they are, but yeah, you know, yeah, like, like Rod- it's like if Robert Rodriguez became, I don't know, who directed Aaron Brockovich? Soderbergh. Yeah, it's like if if like if Robert Rodriguez and Steven Soderbergh were the same guy. What if they are? <laughs> Maybe I've never seen them in the room together, so yeah, like there still seems like a tonal through line through like Spy Kids and Planet Terror and. Sin City and certainly it's like, Alita. Well, it's like special effects are fun and cool. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like, whereas Article 15 is very, like, it's a very kind of straightforward, dark neo-noir almost. Maybe not quite neo-noir, but it's like, it's got that kind of. It's a dark crime story. Yeah. Photography. Uh, so at the time that Raw One was released, it was the most expensive Indian film ever made. It surpassed. Enthiron, aka Robot, of which there is a small shout out and cameo to in Rob One. Yeah, is that what that was about? 
Yeah. 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 I was like, who the <laughs> heck is this? Like, <laughs> we can explain that. Um, obviously, it's no longer the most expensive any of them have made because that is now Bahu Bali. Ben, you need to see Bahu Bali. Yeah, Bahu Bali, the beginning. Bahu Bali, the conclusion. Just take thought, six hours. You will have an amazing time. Yeah, I thought you'll Doom love three it. was the most expensive movie. It was briefly, but now Bahu Bali. And and that's Indian film, not um, yeah. Bollywood film, because Bollywood are are not Bollywood films. Yeah, they're Telugu. Um, it was released in post converted 3D, so that kind of delayed the post production, and there was a lot of worry that it wasn't going to come out. And I guess they were striking prints like two days before it was opening. Wow. Oh, God. Uh, the soundtrack was composed by Vishal Shekhar, and it features R&B singer Akon in two songs, Criminal and the classic banger, Shemak Chalo, which I think listeners know Matt and I are obsessed with. We're pretty big fans of that song, yeah. I was watching this with my partner, and well, I was watching this while my partner was in the other room, and she was like, that sounds like, who's that? what who does that sound like? Is that Akon? And I'm like, that's not Akon. That's Akon. <laughs> she was right. It is Akon. Uh, so while promoting the film, they released two actual video games, including one for PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah, that surprised me. Yeah, um, you got to get that one now. You got to yeah, find it. You didn't it. tell me about that. I didn't I know either that. until Aaron told me. <laughs> uh, and they also released some digital comics to promote the film. In addition to like a lot of other marketing, this, this had a huge marketing budget. Um, and they held premieres internationally in Dubai, London, and Toronto. Mm. Uh, because of the large South Asian populations in those three cities. Uh, it was the widest release ever for an Indian film at the time. And it was a huge commercial hit. However, critics were a bit more mixed. They praised the effects, action, and music, but criticized the direction and story. Uh, mm, critics are at on this one. Uh, it was nominated for five Filmfare Awards, mostly for the music, but one for Best Special Effects. Akon did get a nomination. Good. Um, and it won the National Film Award for Best Special Effects. So to describe the plot of the film, uh, I'm sure many of our listeners have this is a very popular seen the movie. film, yeah. uh, or at the very least have a passing familiarity with it. But Shower Khan stars as a very geeky and nerdy video game developer in London. He has like a terrible like perm. He's got like a jerry curl kind of. Yeah. And his son uh, just like clearly does not think he's cool enough. Even though his dad <laughs> is a video game developer, he still thinks that he sucks. Uh, so in an effort to impress his son after he realizes that dressing up like Michael Jackson uh, does not work, he develops a video game where the it has the hardest or sorry it has the most powerful villain ever so the idea is like that the villain is composed of like the 10 most evil men or something yeah like the movie virtuosity where they make <laughs> russell crowe into out of like the 100 most evil men of all time raw one's basically the same thing yeah yeah so raw one is the name of the villain g1 is the name of the hero and it's a fighting game with um kind of like motion What's how do you describe that? Controls. Motion controls. Yeah. Where like you put on a suit and then you're like fighting the villain in the game. There's only three levels. Ah, uh, at the kind of. Premier... They're waiting for an expansion pack probably with like more levels yeah. that you could also get killed on yeah. by by Raw One. At the premiere party where they unveil the game and Shah Rukh Khan shows it to his son for the very first time. Uh, things go awry when his son decides to play the game, and when he gets to level two, the villain, Ra-1, gets very upset. 
that uh, he's being defeated. By Lucifer, the kid's gamer tag. Exactly. And so uh, through, you know, use of technology where digital things can appear as if Because real, of rays. Because of Because rays. there are rays. And there's a explanation at the beginning of the movie where one of Shah Rukh Khan's co-workers is telling people that there are rays all around us. Yeah. And that they can be used to transmit data as well as matter. Yeah. He, so Rawan leaves leaves the game using that technology and then proceeds to go on a murderer's rampage yeah. um, where he crosses fast with Shah Rukh Khan and murders him because he he says that he's Lucifer and he knows that he's lying, so he kills him. So Rawan oh, spoilers. Is on, yeah. Rawan is on the hunt <laughs> for Lucifer, the little kid. Shah Rukh Khan is dead. What's going to happen? Karina Kapoor and decides to take her son back to India. But before she can do that, the son figures out that Rawan has entered the real world. And then he goes back to the game studio and uses this same technology that allowed Rawan to leave the game to get G1, the hero of the game, to leave the game so that he can fight Rawan. And guess what? G1 looks exactly like Shah Rukh Khan. Yeah. So G1 then becomes kind of a, a superhero who's trying to defeat Rawan and protect Lucifer, but also becomes the the de facto father, yeah, yeah, the de facto dad for the kid as well as a de facto husband for Karina Kapoor. He follows them to India. Much action ensues, and eventually Rawan, because uh, he's a shapeshifter, takes the form of Arjun Ramble, and there's like a final showdown where it feels like we go back into the game. Well, they go to some exhibition hall that's showing off the different levels of the game yeah 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 so that's the basic plot ben how realistic is this movie yeah <laughs> yeah i've experienced all of it uh i just i need to stress also we need to pour one out for akashi yeah akashi <laughs> did some great work as one of the mocap guys and he was not, also just kind of on the team i do not understand why akashi wasn't the villain for the entire thing after anyway they offered that role to jackie chan oh. um who turned it down on kind of unsurprisingly because it would be playing second fiddle of shower Khan, and jackie chan is no, yeah. probably of an equal level of celebrity yeah uh but i jackie chan had taken the role if he would have stayed in that form the whole, time. the whole time yeah, yeah maybe yeah. instead they keep making jokes about that then that that explains the jackie chan thing all the time they're like, that, they call Jackie Chan. Actually, over. does make a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. Um, realism. <laughs> realism. Uh, <laughs> I I I took some notes as I was going of things that as I was watching of things that left me incredulous. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Wait. What are you talking about? Something left you incredulous over the course of this movie? <laughs> I mean, maybe it was the the reveal of like this ten foot painting of concept art of the villain when normally that would be done you know with maybe a tablet or sketches <laughs> instead they're like doing a giant ghostbusters 2 style painting of raw one I, I i didn't understand um but it, every it, from from the fact that the office looks like something out of goldeneye the movie yes like, the only thing they got right about that office was it was awkwardly open concept uh <laughs> Otherwise, it looks completely different from any like if if a if a game studio is like a triple a game studio which uh this isn't heavily implied to be uh would deck out their office and many do in really obnoxious ways the actual place where the people work 
is still very functional. There are still desks with computers and and people have assigned roles. And then one of the things that kept bugging me about this movie is nobody seemed to really have a job description. They were all just like making the game through their words. Um, <laughs> there's no there's no sign of an engine. There's no like to make the game other than these weird like UI elements. It it really felt like it was written by somebody who only plays games and only plays games in 2009 uh the uh what do i got here um how how did you think the release schedule for the game because like they demo it and then they're expecting about two days later it's gonna come out oh beyond that there's a line where i think somebody said nobody has gotten to level two or something or like level three i think yeah it's never happened the game of being able to finish it yourself right like that i was just and and that becomes like a major plot point that this kid can do it this kid like the this game is not testing this kid's ability to play a video game this kid is this game is testing this kid's ability to like be a murderer with his fists like Um, and that's that was like the most unrealistic thing slash kind of fantasy element to me that in a way it was like the game itself I guess it's running on PS3 we don't actually see a console properly in any great there there we do later we see a PS3 we see him playing a PSP I was paying attention to this stuff I did see the the dev kit at one point early on but otherwise there's very little emphasis on the actual what this game's being played on yeah. and uh the the controls like the the level of control precision required to be able to pull this off while standing still is just impossible except now like yeah they invented the Wii basically right well the Wii would have been out by now i think okay. 2000 but uh not to not to not to video game explain you um That's i okay. should look that up i should, uh but yeah, uh, like the motion capture controls that they have are basically on par with motion capture tools that game studios use, where it is it can and also movie studios where you can be very specific in what you capture, but being able to translate that translate that into like a game play element and make it not cost like tens of thousands of dollars. Like, how are people playing this at home? Uh, yeah, I was wondering that while I was watching the film. Like, how much would this game cost? And how would you play it at home? It was unclear if you needed the vest. I think you do. Yeah. So it's it's like kind of a peripheral, almost like the uh, the power glove. There was a there was a another peripheral that came out. I think it was for the the NES. That was a vest. Maybe it was later. Don't quote me on which consoles it worked for, but it was like a feedback vest, and it had like it probably was later. And uh, if you got hit. You'd feel it in real life, you know, like on your chest. Wow. Um, and I was thinking about that while watching Man. Oh, so, so it's like when you go to the D box. It's like D. It's it's like D boxing yourself from the comfort of your own home. <laughs> but, oh man, maybe the vest would help us get the D box capabilities on our Dune Blu-ray. Yeah. Have you ever seen a Blu-ray that has D box capabilities on it? Oh. Yeah. Well, if our our copy of Dune. The Blu-ray, I guess if we were able to rent out a Cineplex theater that had a D-Box, we could watch Dune as it was intended by getting beaten up by the seats while we watched the movie. We feel the sandworms. Yeah. 
feel the sandworms? I've wanted no. to feel a sandworm my whole life. <laughs> Potentially, they could make this game now, but in 2011, they couldn't. If they made it now with current VR tech, uh, it would still, there would need to be additional things that you're strapping to yourself in the comfort of your own home in order to capture that much motion. Usually well, it's just you have a couple things in your hands, so. I've seen that uh, it's another peripheral that I think they can use for VR. It's sort of like a dish that you stand in and you wear special shoes and then you walk around in this giant dish and then it registers you walking around in the game. It's almost like that, but like your whole house would be wired to notice where you are at all times. You also appear to need to be able to do kung fu. Yeah, you, need to, <laughs> you actually need to be able to punch and kick and like do flips and stuff. Otherwise, Raw One's just going to kill you in the game. So th there's a pretty high degree of difficulty to playing it. Yeah, and also like it's if this were if this game were actually to be released, I think there would be a lot of criticism about it not being accessible um, for kind of those with different abilities. Yep, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's the biggest problem with the game. I I'm think the fact saying. that it murders people is probably worse. I'm but, just saying for yeah, someone you know, it has some accessibility issues. You're right. <laughs> exactly for someone you know who's in a wheelchair, for example. <laughs> How would they play this game? True, yeah. I mean, I, I would be more annoyed than the fact that it only has three levels, and the second yeah. one is so hard that no one has ever gotten there. So, it's it's a tech demo, is what it is. They've released a tech demo because the guy with long hair wants money. Yeah. And otherwise, they're going to be a restaurant, which was really weird. Um, yeah, he's going to make it to a chef. <laughs> but I did spend a lot of the movie trying to figure out what their roles were and the, like trying to define them. And best I can tell, uh. I'm just going to call him G1, but he's not G1. The dad. Sure. I forget his name. Yeah. Oh, I don't uh, remember his character name. <laughs> uh, anyway, he, as best I can tell, he's a creative director or design director because he's coming up with these ideas and then getting other people to make them. And then he's basically just driving the vision. His vision is very narrow and based solely on what his kid tells him. Yes. That seems to be his job. Whereas, like, the other two people that factor mostly into it, Akashi seems to be QA. Yeah, but, okay. like, um, he's testing things, and uh, he's also getting beaten up by the vest with that tactile response. True. So, um, and then and then the woman whose name I also forget seems to be a producer. So there's no actual <laughs> like developers, who like designers, people on the like hands on the keys really in the in the movie in any great degree. Games just get made. Games just happen when you have come up with good ideas. Maybe, um, maybe the maybe the PlayStation that game they released is kind of like like a game dev story type game, like a Kairosoft, where you're actually you know cramming and you know crunching to get Raw One done in order for him out of the game and then try to kill people. But I also feel like the character design comes together really quickly because Raw One has sorry Raw. I called him Ravan, because that's clearly Aww. who he's named after. Um, Ravan has no face, and for G1, they just steal Shahrukh's face. Yeah, their their assets are pretty I mean, that's easy. why they don't need developers and designers, because they're just... It's off the shelf. It's off the shelf. Whoever is writing AI code for them, though, is a genius. Because yeah. to, to, for, for this character to be able to learn that much that quickly and cope in the real world, like... Uh, night before Christmas style, like, oh, look at this. Yeah. I'm, I'm out of the game and now I'm getting a coffee kind of thing. Uh, 
although that doesn't happen that would be a good scene i wrote down here this is just mortal kombat you made mortal kombat except there are only two characters isn't the second level called like close combat or something like that the word combat does come up there are a lot of like nods or ripoffs to existing game franchises in this movie that i kept like like the opening scene it's clearly devil may cry mashed up with uh with duke nukem yeah um, yeah and it was, what did you really... think of that? That's my favorite part of the movie. I would play that game that um, the kid's thinking of while he's dreaming about his own father, weird, weirdly enough. It does seem a little racist, though. It does seem a little bit racist. Uh, are you, are you hungry? No, I just had some Chinese food because he fights three Chinese people. Which might be one of the reasons why Jackie Chan did not want to be in the film. No, that, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And if I what recall, they... they had Japanese names. Ditto yes. for Akash. Yeah. They kept saying Chinese. Like, this is... Mm. <laughs> it's a little confused. What did, what did you think of that opening sequence, though? Oh, I wanted that to be the whole movie. Me too. Like, yes. I, I thought, oh, this is is this what I'm in for? And then this kid wakes up, and I'm like, oh, that's what I'm in for. <laughs> <laughs> it's so disappointing because, like, uh, it's just like that's that's a really cool look that Sharkon has, and it just like yeah, it looks like a lot of video games that I have seen but not played. He's got a giant Buster sword. Yeah, it's yeah, like, like Cloud Sword. Yeah, it's got like jazz. Look, that's song. a video game reference. Yes, it is. Video yeah, game Cloud Strike. It's got like jazz songs <laughs> on the moon. He beats up uh, <laughs> Sanjay Dutt. Oh, what more do you want? I was not excited to see Sanjay Dutt, but. That's, that's something else. It, I, I do like that cameo from Priyanka Chopra. And her character is called Desi Girl. And they play the song Desi Girl um, because famously in, in the film Dostana, um, this, she, they oh, play it's a song about her. It's yeah. a song about her. Yeah. 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 So that's a good, like, in-joke callback. And, and they also play some, like, Kuch Kuch Hey music in there, too. Yeah. yeah. So there, there, it's it felt like being not versed very well in bollywood like there was a lot of that there were a lot of references i was like what the heck does that mean why and then it goes away and i'm like clearly that's something yeah and i'm, I'm expected to know what robo man is oh yeah oh, okay. right we, we should talk about that yeah. okay do you watch the trailer we sent you the highly informative japanese trailer of uh, robot I, did, I didn't do my homework oh I didn't watch no the trailer ben. Oh, it's a great trailer ben. no but it's better because then i'm ignorant on and you can yeah. Okay. Explain like, robots. This yeah. is another movie that you 100% need to watch. It's another South Indian movie. Superstar Rajinikanth plays a inventor who invents a robot who coincidentally looks exactly like him. Yeah. But it's all in the real world, right? It's a very strange film. The first time we had seen Raw 1, uh, we hadn't seen... We didn't know who that guy was either. Yeah, we didn't know what it was either. Then um, I think it was Danny Bowes, a past guest, filled us in. Uh, so then we, we watched it. The first one, I think, is far better than the second one, though they both are wild and kind of well worth seeing just to, like, just to see it. Just for just, spectacle, yeah. It ju yeah, on a pure spectacle level. But I think with Rob One and with the robot movies, you're kind of seeing this interest, this interesting intersection with um, kind of South Asian cinema um, and their, their modes and aesthetics and trying to emulate stuff that's popular in the West, big budget, superhero science movies. fiction, spectacles, superhero movies. And Anupab Sinha and Shah Rukh Khan, I guess, watched like hundreds of superhero movies from all over the world when they were figuring out how to get the aesthetics and the action 
uh, for raw one. And so they did a lot of research. And I think that's why like those heart things, those yeah. are clearly like that's a clear kind of reference to Iron Man yeah. or maybe it's not a reference or an homage. Maybe it's just a kind of blatant plagiarizing of, of Iron Man. But like, I'm pretty sure that's an Iron Man. But, it's also yeah. just a weird plot element because anytime, anytime you watch a movie and a cartoon has to show up to explain further parts of the movie to you, I'm already on board. But the fact that you can't kill Rawan or G1 unless the heart is in them. Otherwise, if you take the heart away, they live forever. That's just wild. Like, that, <laughs> that was the most realistic part. Oh, okay. Me, Never knowing mind. Knowing <laughs> the way video game stories play out. That was so convoluted for such ridiculous reasons. And I was like, that's that that would be at home in a in a video game in an actual video game. That 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 makes no sense. That's perfect. Um, you know, I guess it's not too far off from the Heartless and Kingdom Hearts, come to think of it. <laughs> God, Kingdom Hearts. Um, I yeah. played that game. That's a game. One thing. Game. Yeah, it is. You played the first one. Yeah. And the second one. Yeah. I have not played the new one or the mobile ones. Look, I know that. There's like 15 <laughs> other ones on top of that, though. <sighs> one thing that I kept laughing about was this. The character, the dad character who then dies has that, like, curly hair nerdy awkward uh a, a bit of like plays of the buffoon you know really slapstick and then uh g1 is all you know dippity dude uh and, and kind of like making blue steel everywhere and i was like this is ben stiller both of these roles are ben stiller like, yeah yeah like it, it goes it goes to zoolander it goes from like something about mary ben stiller to zoolander ben stiller but, yeah, that is that is a good observation. I see it. I see it. So I do want to say that like this is a movie I think for children. It is yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to get to. Like this is clearly a movie for children. And I think when you watch it, you need to like you need to put that that mind frame on. You need to put that mindset on. You it's have the to become as, like, the child. Yeah, it's the same as like Speed Racer. Yeah, I know so many people who you know hated speed racer because they just didn't accept or embrace that it's a movie for children yeah and i think when you embrace that this is a movie for children it becomes really fun because the action is pretty fun the action's good yeah yeah as a child like you know i would love to see uh, a sharp object thrown into an old woman's throat killing her instantly with blood like this movie's more violent than game over like there's a lot <laughs> of okay not really, but it is still. It is surprisingly violent in places. And also, there are a few, like, sexy jokes. Like, like throwing the keys down the woman's shirt and then showing Yeah, yeah, that was... Oh, yeah. and, don't, and um, don't forget the airport security scene. Oh right, God. yeah. That was a whole, like, sort of short film with that guy. Oh, God. <laughs> I, my favorite character. I love yeah. him. He's the airport security guy. He really yeah. appreciated Rob One's, uh, no, sorry, G One's physique. I think. Yeah, well, so, yeah, you know, yeah. Is it implied that the airport security guy thinks that he has like a prince himself? I think so, because he's okay. wondering, like, uh, I need to scan your crotch. Um, we should probably explain this. It's been a while since people watched this movie. I'm guessing uh, when going through security in London, I think it's when they're leaving. Yeah. Uh, G One gets patted down after stealing a bunch of clothes from a punk guy. Because uh, he knows style. he's going to turn on. Yeah. So he puts a, he, he gets a bunch of, he, which is actually pretty awful. He probably stole that guy's Prince Albert. <laughs> but, 
committed. And also, also, we have to wonder, was G1 programmed to have genitalia? <laughs> I'm sure Karina Kapoor is wondering. Well, because they keep talking, what, you need to hit him in the main unit or... Um, yeah, main what? unit, main which is part. an interesting... The main part, main yes. Part, yeah, yeah. Interesting... That's a fun euphemism. Yeah, and I I wonder I wonder what it is in Hindi. I wonder if that's like a an interesting like kind of like translation. Yeah, um, but yeah, he gets through airport security, having a bunch of piercings on him that he steals from a guy in a bathroom, and then the person scanning is very into G one and is like turned on by his various um, piercings, I guess, yeah. and the hotness that surrounds them. That's a that's a good way of saying it. <laughs> it's. It's an odd scene, and, but but you're right, Ben. Like, for the most part, this plays like a children's film, and then there's like these things that are just kind of. <laughs> Remember when he's air humping, and then the next door guy's like, "Ooh, this is power yoga." That was fun. Everyone likes that. Power yoga is and everything though. The uh, and yeah, like I throughout felt like if G1 is supposed to be a hero, he he kind of doesn't have a very firm sense of morality about it like that poor guy with the with the piercings is just one example of where g1 crosses a line like beats <laughs> up somebody steals his clothes like i feel bad for that guy who's left in the airport yeah. washroom naked with his piercings ripped out by some weird like video game guy come to life with blue contacts like what the hell yeah, I guess I guess the Terminator in the first one, at least, we're not supposed to like him. So yeah. him stealing a biker's clothes, it's like, yeah, it's that's your Terminator behavior. Well, I, I will say that I think I think G one is he's blank, he's empty, he has no moral center without Lucifer, without without the kid, and that's I think Lucifer that's, is what you need for a moral center. Yeah, kids. there is no God. I want Lucifer. That's a direct quote from this movie. <laughs> But I think that is one of kind of the overarching kind of uh, themes is that like it is this kid who it's it's him who needs to kind of be the superhero through G1. You have to teach your robot dad like, how to understand things. Yeah, Not, but he's the kid is the moral center. That's why G1 because he's a blank slate. He's tabula rasa. I'm thinking he probably was probably with genitalia <laughs> because otherwise Karina Kapoor's attention towards him is somewhat confusing. All right. They definitely hooked up, though, right? Like, 100%. It's odd, but you do feel like Karina Kapoor is falling for the robot. Which, she is giving a great performance in this film. She is so good at being uh, just, like, shocked and surprised and freaked out. And also, she's got a fun little bit that I can't quite understand exactly, but she's trying to learn Tamil, I think, and is getting a bunch of words wrong. And is apparently writing a thesis? Yeah. Swear words in particular. (laughs) Yeah, they drop that curses. very quickly. No, but they keep it going with like the weird like. Instead of swearing, they'll say things like "sugar boots," not "sugar boots," but stuff like that, yeah. right? And buttercups. Yeah. Yeah, it really doesn't land. At least it but, didn't for me. But but I just I think you're about two languages away from getting those jokes, Ben. <laughs> I just but I just like people. that she looks like Paula Cole, which maybe oh, nobody knows okay, who Paula yeah. Cole is. But yeah. um, I don't can so. Can why when they get to Mumbai immediately do they have to fight a hundred people? Like where are these people coming from? Why are they why are they there and why are they why are they immediately trying to fight G1? Is this a thing in Mumbai? My guess 
is probably the highly competitive airport taxi industry. Well, it's also because, like, from a from a form standpoint, it's right after the interval, and you need something to draw people back into the movie. So you either need like a big dance scene, or you need a fight. There's some gundas hanging out at the air. I'm sure it happens to everybody. But it's, yeah, it's a pretty good fight. Though. No, no clue though. Um, that's where he uses his magnet powers quite a bit, and also. He does the move that I thought was originally in Scott Pilgrim, but Aaron reminded me was also in Romeo Must Die, of you using your girlfriend to punch people. Yeah, it's a great move. That's definitely Romeo Must Die. Because G1 is sort of manipulating Katrina Kapoor's body in order to smack various bad guys. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. What was everyone's favorite kind of action scene? Uh, I like the train. I think that was really fun. Which is probably the, the standout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the train for, I have mixed feelings about the train because it was like the 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 effects in this in this movie I was going to call it a game <laughs> the effects <laughs> in this movie are generally pretty good and the train was where that broke down for me a little bit like mm-hmm. I I kind of wanted to just be watching oh, what's that one with Chris Pine that train movie unstoppable yeah because it felt yeah. that way a little bit um, a train that wouldn't stop. It, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of of my favorite fight. I think I really did like. I really did like the action with the Mumbai fight. Like it was yeah. very, it was street level, and it was like the choreography was fun. Um, but and slapsticky. But the opening was probably my favorite action scene. I just felt it was the most like. Yeah. It really drew me in. And I love like the bending sword and the the over the top Duke Nukem guy. Oh, can I can I change my answer though for action scenes? Because I just remembered another one. Sure. When uh, Raw One and G One first meet in the real world, I think it's when they first meet. Yes, I wanted to talk about this one. It's fun. But the cars. Yeah. It's like I I wrote down in my notes because I keep notes still. So many notes. Why did I have so many notes? Oh, I love the legitimate car ballet because they're just like throwing all these cars around and it's like beautiful in yeah. a way. Hey, if you like that, 100% Entheron the robot will be your jam. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's like a great scene, and that's yeah, kind of when you're leading up to to the to the interval. And yeah, yeah, they're just like throwing cars at each other, and the effects. I think the effects look good for the most part. I agree with what you're saying about them looking a little dodgy in the train though i just i think the concept of the train is fun because uh ram one has kidnapped karina kapoor and also brainwashed her using his video game power yeah and duplicated her so like he looks like karina kapoor and puts a real one on this train and then the train is going like super fast and just the way that i don't know like that like ram one is like running on the train he runs along the side of the train he jumps around it's cool yeah, he, but, he interrupts a school class and the teacher's like, quit roughhousing on the train. And he's like, no, I have to roughhouse. But they potentially don't pull off all the effects there. Whereas I think with the with the car fight in London, they do. I was also impressed by how fast how fast Akashi Ezra one is chasing um, Karina Kapoor while she's driving the car in kind of a Terminator, mm-hmm. uh, Terminator 2 kind of thing. That was yeah, cool. And he's, I was, and he's jumping on the cars. That was so cool. Sorry to interrupt, but it was... No, it was cool. good. I had to interrupt you. <laughs> he's got he's he's got like a Matrix uh, jacket on. Uh, did you watch it during the credits where it's explaining some of how the stunts happened in addition to a hilarious song? No. 
I'll have to go back. Watch. It's that. kind of like a Jackie Chan style. Here's how all the stunts went down. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was good. Unfortunately, I think that the final action scene is a bit of a letdown because it goes to kind of a, a VR world. And well, it's it, not a VR world. It's it's in our world. It's just designed look like the levels of the game okay but it's just, it looks really fake right because it's supposed to look like the game it is fake so it looks really it's fake. designed to look that and way, i yeah. think i don't think arjun rample is as interesting as someone as akashi is uh and it just arjun rample is we gotta say super jacked and handsome yeah he is but i just and, and i like i like him in other movies that i i think he can act i just don't he's a good villain and he is a good villain i just don't think he's that interesting as Rowan compared to akashi and they totally have a really good... Okay, how can I put this? From a writing perspective, it really frustrated me that they abandoned Akashi as the villain because it was this neat parallel. Like, these friends, these game developer friends, are now being forced... These these avatars of them are, are being forced to fight against one another because that's the way that the the, the characters underneath are. And, and they just mm-hmm. throw that out completely in favor of some other guy on a billboard. And it's like, yeah. why would you? Why would you bother to do that? Yeah. Except, I imagine this the the guy on the billboard is famous and popular and hot, as you say, he is very hot. I think that's why they do it because he's he's like a famous male model. Yeah. 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 It is kind but of who fun. is in a lot of movies are Shark Khan, gotta say. Um, like Om Shanti Om, mm-hmm. um, where which where I think he's much better. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, but I I I will say that kind of the climactic battle the the fight at the end being disappointing is really consistent for me with like superhero and action movies in general. Yeah. Yeah. I think the final fight in wonder woman, I thought was kind of like looked really dodgy and uh, just kind of felt unsatisfying person too. Yeah. Like felt unsatisfying. And I think that about a lot of Marvel movies, even dare I say some of the John wick films, I don't think the final battle is ever the best one. I'm with you on that. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little disappointing, but also John I think Wick three. Consistent. The last fight in John Wick three. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, well, maybe. We yeah, should discuss good. that it's another good. time. Um, I like the dogs, kind of. Mm. Um, but I think consistent with action movies. It's never mm-hmm. the last fight that is the most inventive or the most interesting. And I think it's partly because when it comes to the final battle of, of blows, it just it loses some of the the tension. It loses some of well, you the know excitement. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, we know the hero's going to win. Exactly. So. so here's what disappointed me the most about this movie. It had nothing to do with the action. Everything to do with the songs. Ooh. I. Hot take, Ben. I was extremely <laughs> underwhelmed by the musical members. Oof. I, okay. I. Coming from a perspective where I don't watch a lot of Bollywood movies, yeah. I have a very high bar from these from these moments because these are the things that I don't get in every movie that I wish I had <laughs> in every every Western movie, which is where everybody breaks into a music video, song and dance, and the characters are singing and doing crazy things. And it was not; it was almost like in this movie, there's all this wild video game sci-fi action stuff, and then they with the musical numbers, it's like they take a pause it's like these are the breaks where things are a little mm. a little lower energy somehow mm. and, and and songs just didn't like yeah they're kind of catchy but of of the many many six or seven bollywood movies i've seen in my life <laughs> this would have the weakest 
musical numbers for me. I guess I guess Doom Two and Three probably have. They have a, great songs. They have great songs and a lot bigger sort of arrangements of choreography and things. Oh yeah, because this year we're maybe gonna have like twenty background dance. The songs in in Doom Three are like jaw dropping. Yeah, and yeah. that's the thing. Like Doom Three, if we're gonna focus on that one, because that one is my favorite Bollywood movie that I've seen of my seven or eight, right? Uh, the the musical numbers match, if not exceed, the the scope of the action sequences, and that's not mm-hmm. saying that's not that's saying a lot because the action sequences are so over the top in that movie, and here it it was disappointed because I was like, oh, these are going to be similarly like over the top, and they 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 weren't, you know, they they kind of for me. I think that's I get I get this too sometimes when there's a really strong high concept in a movie. And you just get sort of typical songs. Like there wasn't a song about, you know, your princess is in another castle or something, right? Like you could do a song that incorporates video games and yes. has video game imagery. And mm-hmm. they rarely ever do that when it when it has to do with the high concept. I that's what like- the, that's why I really like the one song in uh, Billu Barber. Oh yeah. When um, it's kind of like a Star Wars pastiche thing. This is a movie, it's actually kind of a very down to earth movie about a guy who's a barber, who his friend when he was younger goes on to become Shah Rukh Khan as this movie star. And you're constantly cutting back to Shah Rukh Khan's life and seeing this glamorous stuff and these really over the top dance sequences but it's being used specifically to show the difference between the movie world and then the down-to-earth real world where Irfan Khan lives. So um, that's one of the few times I think it's really gone for it. And the theme has been incorporated in a way to increase visual interest with something high concept. Yeah, I will say that um, wanting like more elaborate dance numbers and, and song numbers, that bodes well for Ben enjoying Robot, which has oh, yeah. great um, songs. Yeah. Uh, you, want being, a, you want a thousand versions of Rajnikanth dancing all at the same time and transforming their bodies? Oh, oh I God. do. <laughs> I didn't know I did, but now I do. That yeah. being said, uh, the songs in 2.0 are, like, are meh. The last one's okay. Yeah. Um, but going back to the songs in round one, I will say like the two the two kind of lower beat songs. So the uh, the take on, um oh, what is what are they covering there? Stand By Me. Yeah, the take on Stand By Me. Uh, which they did pay the rights for. That's a little, that's a legal cover of Stand By Me. Interesting. Um, and the kind of uh, the the funeral song where, that's all sad, where they're getting ready to go to London. Those I think are totally unremarkable uh, and and disposable personally. Uh, criminal, <laughs> where as Matt will say, Shah Rukh Khan invented working. Yeah. Uh, is it's set? It's bizarre. <laughs> Again, to like put this really overtly sexy. I guess a song in the middle of this kid's movie. And also at the, you know, development party for their video game. Yeah. That song I don't think has a lot of impact. The end credit song I don't think has a lot of impact. Um Chamak Chalo is really the only dance number. A modern uh, classic. It invented music. Yeah, but I agree that its production value, uh, like so its picturization is not on par with the action of the film. So like I like that song a lot, but I don't really think of that song as like a part of this film. As it's like, not one you show people a lot. It's more just like a fun song. Yeah, I don't think of that song as like a product of this film. I just listen to that song a lot. So I like get excited to hear the song in the movie because I like that song. And it, and we've seen other performances of that song. And it's also uh, fun that Ra Wan is Karina Kapoor in that scene and is still dancing with him. 
Yeah, but it's not, I agree, there's not the most exciting, like, choreography, or it's not, like, super over top. So, like, yeah. well, I do think that song is a banger. I agree with Ben. Sure. Yeah. I, it, you know, you could always point to a dance scene and think, you know what? That could be bigger. <laughs> Their video game characters come to life, and you could yeah. take that. You could take that one in particular, and I will agree. I will agree that the song is is a banger. Criminal is also a banger. Like that chorus is super catchy. But um, you could show me those out of this movie, and I you could I would not be able to tell you anything about the the video game stuff. The, yeah. I wouldn't even know that there's a science fiction angle. I wouldn't even know if there's any action in this movie. I would think it was like a love story scene, because yeah. it is a love story moment between Ra one and G one. I think I think when you watch on YouTube, it still ends with the sort of Terminator vision of Rawan coming in. So it is a little bit dis, like incongruous if you don't know what the movie's about. That being said, Karina Kapoor looks great in that Manish Malhotra sari, She's a snack. Uh, yeah. which uh, caused like a, a fashion moment sensation in India. She looks great. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, uh, I think wrap up should... our thoughts on Rawan. There are other Hindi films like this. Yeah that really have any sort of sci-fi element that's handled as well. I mean, this could be a lot worse than it is. <laughs> it could be the movie Virtuosity. Faint praise, Matt. No, but like, like this, is, this is one of the best movie stars in the business with the biggest budget possible. Like, they tried. Like, they went for it about as hard as you possibly could. Yeah. And I appreciate the effort. The only other thing I can really compare it to is is Krish. Yeah, the, there's the Krish series. Yeah. But when you look at, when you eventually get to uh, Bahubali and Intheron and 2.0, these South Indian movies, you'll see that South Indian movies are kind of taking the spectacle away, like the crown of spectacle. And uh, Hindi's trying to catch up now. Mm-hmm. That's fair, yeah. But you had fun watching it? Oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. did. And in some ways, I feel like, and this is this is just to explain my perspective. In some ways, I kind of wish it was worse. <laughs> yeah. Like not in like a not in like a spectacle kind of way, like in terms of the the quality of of the the set pieces, but in terms of the like, I wanted a little more cheese. I wanted mm-hmm. a little more, uh, whether tongue in cheek or not. I wanted a little more jadu, you know. <laughs> You gotta get that jotted. Yeah. Fair enough. Sure. All right. Well, I think that brings us to interval. What are we gonna listen to, Matt? Well, we're going to listen to our old pal Akon with <laughs> the, the song Chemak Cello. And we will be back after that. This episode of Bollywood is for Lovers is sponsored by Stalwart Advertisers, ATB. In a move that fans of Raw 1 will appreciate, ATB is on a mission to transform banking by making it work for people. They do this by innovating at the forefront of robotics, AI, blockchain, and by leveraging out-of-the-box thinkers like the listeners of this podcast. Visit atbalphabeta.com to learn more about accelerating your career in tech. That's www.atb, 
A-L-P-H-A-B-E-T-A.com. This week, we'd also like to highlight fellow Alberta Podcast Network member, Press Start to Join. So Press Start to Join is a podcast all about video games and the people who play them. They do a great job in talking about new video game news, as well as gaming history, my favorite episodes of the show. On the latest episode, our hosts Josh and Alan talk about games like Rayman Legends, Titanfall 2, Monster Energy Supercross, Insane Robots, Jurassic World Evolution, Toy Story 3, Castlevania Lord of Shadow Mirror of Fate HD, as well as Google Stadia, Half-Life Alex, and many more. So as you can see, they uh, talk about quite a uh, diverse collection of games every episode. So if you're interested in checking out the show, go to ps2jshow.com. That's ps2jshow.com. For more information about the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, check out albertapodcastnetwork.com. I just want to throw a quick content warning out for the next uh, segment as our discussion of Game Over features discussion of... Uh, pretty graphic violence and um, sexual assault imagery. So if you'd rather not hear about that, I would skip to the end of the episode. Thanks. So that was Chemak Chalo from Raw 1. Uh, shifting gears almost entirely, <laughs> we're going to talk about Game Over now from uh, 2019. So uh, eagle-eyed listeners amongst you will realize that this is actually a South Indian movie. Yeah. Featuring someone who has gone on to be a pretty big um, Bollywood star. Yeah. So we, the, we know. We know that this is not technically a Bollywood movie. Yeah. We're bending the rules a bit because we, we typically um, only discuss Hindi language films. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a Hollywood film. However, it was released in Hindi by Anurag Kashyap, one of our favorite directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he presented it kind of the same way that, like... Quentin Tarantino does. Yeah, yeah. Quentin Tarantino or Martin Scorsese will, like, present things. Uh, and, like, the the concept and plot and what is in this movie was just too good to not throw it at them. Yeah. Because so, <laughs> it's, it it's about video games, and it is weird. Yeah. Game over. Directed by Ashwin Saravanan. So it was shot simultaneously in Tamil and Telugu, uh, and it stars Topsy Panu, Vinodini Vaidyanathan, Anish Kuravilla, and Sanchana Natarajan. It received mixed reviews, but lots of praise for Topsy Panu's performance, because it's quite the uh, range of emotion she has to go to. And it's now streaming on Netflix. So it came out in mid-June, and by August, it was on Netflix. That turnaround time for Indian cinema to reach a VOD is insane. And I don't think it had a long theatrical bow here, at least. Like, it was maybe a week yeah. while you saw it, but yeah. I wanted to go see it, couldn't make it out there, and yeah, it was gone within a week. I mean, I wonder if some of that was intentional, though. I mean, there's the Netflix streaming partner in the opening credits, and it definitely feels like a yeah. show, a movie that would do really well on Netflix. Um, yeah, you could, you could um, kind of, oh, you liked Ready Player One, well, here's this, or something like that, right? Uh- <laughs> I don't know if people who liked Ready Player One should be recommended this movie. Um, (laughs) Raw One has a lot more in common with Ready Player One. It's true. true. I mean, if you like Hush, if you like like your next, yeah, 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 I would, I would almost consider this a Giallo movie in some parts, or Giallo inspired. Giallo inspired. So, for our listeners who don't know what Giallo is, those are kind of precursors to slasher movies from the 70s in Italy 
where usually a black gloved killer is going around murdering women for the most part. And you generally don't see their face. They're wearing a mask. Um, and some of it is shot like first person view from the killer's perspective. It was also notably parodied in Astron 6's The Editor from a few years ago. That's a pretty deep cut. A movie I think is amazing. But um, so this movie, a lot of it is taken from kind of first person um, handheld cameras as uh, as is the beginning scene where a woman is in her house and uh, I was actually a little bit confused at the beginning because the aspect ratio is completely different for these and I've just seen some Indian films where the aspect ratio is just wrong even if it is streaming so I was a little confused there but it does eventually make sense and we're seeing her house in kind of grainy footage from the outside someone's watching her kind of go through her evening, make dinner, watch TV, and it's a then- a handheld first person perspective. Yeah, and uh, the person holding the camera eventually breaks into the woman's house and uh, strangles her with a Ziploc bag, I think, uh, with a really uh, evocative scene of her walking around with a Ziploc bag over her head, trying to breathe, and it's like, it's very creepy. Like this is, this is a kind of rough movie to start, especially to begin. Uh, the killer then goes on to take her body up to a field, cut her head off, kick it through a soccer net, and set her body on fire. Yeah. Boom, I mean, game over she starts. was already out. She suffocated in the field, technically. Okay, so <laughs> he's cutting a dead body stuff. <laughs> that matters at all, this movie. Jesus but, Christ. like, this is like something... Oh, here, here's, our, here's an old game for you. This is like something out of Manhunt, right? That's not that old, but yeah. Um, the other thing that I kept thinking about uh, was on the American night side, on the na- night trap. Now there's one. I kept thinking about like the the revenge. I mean, the, okay, for the next 15 seconds, I might spoil a little bit, so you might want to fast forward a little bit. If, uh, but um, I kept thinking about like Last House on the Left and those kind of like not feminist, but it in a weird exploitation way empowering reve- like rape revenge yeah. movies because this clearly was inspired like at one point they make a reference to the last house on the left saying that's where sh- they live just it's to throw clearly that in inspired yeah. grimy grimy thrillers yeah yeah so kind of like um uh for for our audience who's probably maybe more familiar with kind of Bollywood language, kind of like NH10. NH10 would be probably the best example. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get to um, Topsy Panu's life. So Topsy Panu is living with her um, caretaker in a really nice house, the last house on the left, as Ben alluded to. And it, um, she is apparently a game developer. Apparently. We, we, we get maybe like 10 <laughs> seconds of game development. Ben, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, okay, um, but I have a long rant here. I'm you gonna can do it. Okay, this rant. This was one of the most accurate, if not the most accurate, depictions of a game developer I've ever seen in a Whoa. movie. Whoa! Whoa! I was not she, expecting that. She is using a real engine, Unreal Four, which is very common both in indie games and in especially in AAA development. She is making sketches of characters and doing multiple iterations, trying to find the right one, which would be done on maybe a tablet, but also, yeah, some people do it on paper. She is, I mean, the the worst thing here is that she seems to be developing three games at the same time. Yeah. 
Like it's she really has really unclear this. what she's doing. But the attention to detail there, beyond the like the weird posters she has everywhere of like I have like well I wrote down a couple of them like video video games have ruined my life. Good thing I have two more. Like those yeah. kind of like no fear shirts for video gamers yeah. slogans that she has everywhere. That's ridiculous. But beyond that, like everything screams game developer like in a really accurate way to me like it, i was like this is my life because <laughs> i well hopefully it's not exactly your life that's really interesting because i said apparently because i just feel like we spend so little time with her like actually developing games yeah and far more time with her like dealing with her ptsd yes and dealing with like playing a lot well, of I'll, get, I'll get into that so yeah. topsy panu has we find out a little bit later been the victim of an attack someone's come into her house tied her up i think think she might have been raped it's implied but we don't actually know yeah it happened about a year ago on new year's eve yeah so she's developed a kind of preternatural fear of new year's eve of crowds of even just the time ticking down and she's seeing and a darkness. shrink about it and and the dark especially um and it seems like she's mostly falling asleep on her couch every day playing pac-man and I guess maybe this is some sort of uh you know healing mechanism for her this but is it, my... pac-man's weird because like being chased around by a bunch of ghosts and then being able to turn the tables on them, sure, that is potentially interesting. But it, it felt like one of those things where, like, on The Sopranos, for instance, when um, when Tony beat AJ at Mario Kart using a, an N64 controller <laughs> in one hand, and it's like the, the people making the movie only know about Pac-Man. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's what people play is Pac-Man. Well, yeah, this is one of, like, my favorite details about this film is that she you only ever really see her playing Pac-Man, but her room is full of posters for like Red Dead Redemption and Grand Theft Auto of the Colossus. Yeah. Um and a lot of Mario stuff. I wonder if it's a rights thing. I wonder if they just couldn't get the rights to show her to play another Or they were game. just worried about it. Or it's or it could be one of those things where you're assuming your audience probably doesn't know. Yeah. But do gamers or, still play Pac-Man, Ben? I mean, but See that too was accurate to me because she was playing a she was playing a hacked uh, NES Mini. Yeah, and yeah, she, I saw and, that. And, yeah. she was, and she was playing the NES version of Pac-Man. Um, and so like that to me felt oddly realistic. You know, she's not just playing an NES Mini; she's playing a hacked one with all these other games added to it. Um, because an NES Mini is basically a Raspberry Pi, right? And you can put whatever you want on it. Yeah, with with minimal modding. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, what broke down for me was when suddenly she's playing with a, with a PlayStation 1 controller. And I'm like, what's <laughs> yeah. going on there? But the Pac-Man thing felt oddly, oddly specific in a way that made me think that they were trying to draw some metaphor between, like, the victim becomes the... turns around and goes after the... Goes after well, yeah. the, the things. Single. Well, we should maybe put a uh, spoiler warning now. We'll first mention her tattoo, Matt. Oh shit, you're right. Okay, so in, a, so in addition to PTSD, in addition to having PTSD, uh, she also which, has a very strange problem. We need to quickly mention that her therapist uses VR to help her overcome. Yeah, a game that's a cool looks idea. Like, it is a cool idea, but it looks like she's playing PT or something in there and getting yeah. more scared of the video game. <laughs> Oh my god, it really did look like PT. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Oh. But so she's got problems, right? But another another problem that she has is that she went to go get a, a kind of video game inspired tattoo 
it's a, a skull in it. It's also the no, logo. no, it's a pixelated heart with a controller. Oh, controller, yeah. It's, it's, it's a terrible tattoo. Yeah, yeah I it hate is. that. It's bad. <laughs> Not only is it like you know artistically bad, it also has a sort of uh, you know a horror element to it. Um, it, so it hurts. It hurts her. Like it kind of burns at her skin. But it's an old tattoo, and I I don't have any. It's tattoos, about a year old. But that seems weird. It, yeah, it seems weird that a year after getting your tattoo, it'll start burning your skin. And uh, no doctors understand this. And the tattoo artist is like, no, that's odd. That doesn't really happen too much. But wait a minute. We had a, we had a lady come in whose daughter died in a similar sort of um, home invasion type thing. And we ground up her ashes and used it to make this tattoo. I wonder if maybe I used some of her ash on you. It's a haunted tattoo. It's a haunted tattoo. She has a haunted tattoo. And later on, she develops two more of them somehow. And I think now we should probably go to the spoiler zone to talk about that and what happens to the rest of the movie. I have a theory about that. Okay, go for okay, because, it. And it also doubles as a synopsis. Um, Excellent. She attempts to kill herself two times and is thwarted twice. And I think that's how she earns the other two the other two tattoos. She earns them, huh? Okay. By, by attempting suicide. Sure. I know that's problematic as heck for me to say. Of but there are two very specific... But it's the movie, dang it. There are two well, very... Well, I was specific. thinking it's just because you get three lives in Pac-Man. I mean, that too, but why do they show up all of a sudden? You know, and yeah, I, I think hmm. I think onto something that does hmm. make sense. Yeah, because she tries to kill herself twice, and it, and they they're thwarted. Um, and that's how we should also say how she ends up in a wheelchair. Yeah, she ends up in a wheelchair after jumping off of it's a doctor's office, right? Or is or, it the tattoo place? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I kept going through this, being like, where are the songs? <laughs> something's got to cheer me up here <laughs> yeah, get, like like bring the song here even if it's like a sad sad song which it would be appropriate you know yeah like well it's only like an hour and a half long it's short yeah so she does try to kill herself twice you're right ben and uh she does grow two more tattoos and coincidentally enough um at a coffee shop she sees two guys watching a snuff movie featuring her Basically, she's watching that there's these two guys who say like, oh, I recognize that girl. Oh, yeah, she's in that rape movie that we downloaded and watched. You remember that one, right? Remember that one? That was that was a movie. In their defense, sort of, (laughs) they might not know that it's real. (laughs) I guess that's yeah. If you want. But it is real. And we find out that not only did the first girl who died and then had the tattoo ink made of her, these people attacked Topsy Pino again. I don't know if it was them the first time, though. Yeah, we don't know if so. So I feel like we need to get to Sure. In the, the chronology of the story, Topsy, uh, <laughs> the first girl dies about a year before the events of the movie. And then probably around the same time, Topsy Pino is attacked in her home. And develops all these psychological problems. Yeah. So the climax is she has to fight off a home invader or maybe more. Yeah. Um, Inky, this, Blinky, and Clyde. Yeah. This masked guy <laughs> with big, so, like, machete. He's, they've got, like, Jason X masks on. We're in the spoiler zone. There's three of yeah, them. Yeah, I know. 
yeah, we're, there's three of them. But that's like a good reveal. It is a good reveal. It's good. And so she develops the three tattoos when um, this kicks off. And yeah. so it's kind of like, I like Ben's theory or his kind of interpretation because it isn't only until she kind of um, finds will to fight back. Or at least the will to even kill herself. Yeah, that she gets those <laughs> those two lives. And it's and it's the other girl wanting to help out from beyond the grave, so, so that these guys can be killed. But we, I think so. It's definitely her. Like yeah. there's magic between these two women. But we don't know if the the home invaders in the climax are the same guys who tied her up yeah. a year earlier. Because the, these guys have a very specific mo of breaking in and murdering everybody. Yeah. Because her housekeeper gets killed. The guard outside gets killed in one or two of the lives. Right. Yeah. This plot is so wild, but I find it really interesting that someone chose, the director, Ashwin Saravan, chose to make a film at the intersection of sexual violence against women and video gaming. I would love to know what Anita Anita Sarkeesian thinks of this movie. (laughs) There, There are no present, or if they are present, positive male characters in this entire movie. It it, it passes... The therapist is okay. Oh yeah, the therapist. But even then... Like it, it definitely passes the Bechdel test. There yeah. are some very empowering moments. There's a in the second life um, is the life where the men come in and save, and then and then spoilers. I guess we're still in that zone. You know, it goes horribly wrong, and it's like only when she and her housekeeper turn the tables and really kick yeah. ass that that it that it works. And, and even then, they're still both getting horrifically maimed, right? Like her her hand is getting crunched as is. The housekeeper gets a slash in the back. Like they're not coming out of this easy. Yeah, but they but they are against three guys. Like that's tough. And she's yeah. in a wheelchair. Yeah, and and that's I loved that she stayed in the wheelchair and used the wheelchair. Like it was actually like I was worried it was going to be like oh god this is going to get horribly ableist. And in some ways it was the opposite. Like like they don't have a moment where she stands up to fight. Like no. she she kicks ass with all of the things that she's currently you know, working with. And I liked that a lot. And I liked I liked watching the putty patrol go down at the <laughs> hands of, of of her ingenuity in this like weird like home alone esque like mm-hmm. Max. It was really I liked this movie more than I thought I would because I didn't love the first hour. I'll put it that it's a very different movie at first. That yeah. was that's been my issue with this film. It's so three I've, different movies. I've seen it twice now. And once it kicks into the third act, I think it's great. I love it. That you don't love mom coming to uh, see her tattoos daughter? Yeah, like, I, I love the third act where it's just like, yeah, it becomes this slasher revenge film that has this, like, fun, this fun kind of gimmick to it that I think is really interesting. Uh, but, yeah, like, the first hour with the haunted tattoo and, like, and and her PTSD and I just don't think that section is all that interesting or well realized or like really well conceived. I feel like I feel like Saravan was like, I have a good idea for like this climax. The end of the movie. The yeah. end of a movie. And yeah. how do we get there? And the way that you get there is not overly satisfying. It's by the end of some songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Tapsy Panu is doing her best, by the way, Tapsy Panu, fun to watch, fun to say. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, she's she's giving it her all, but it's just like, yeah, the, especially the second act of this film, it she really year, huh? drags. 
She was in what? She was in Mad Marzian this. Mad Marzian was last year. No, okay. Oh, she had a better year. Never mind. She did the thing with um, I forget the name of it, but she did the thing with Boomy Pendekar where they were in old age makeup. It was terrible. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is not. She was in a movie about competitive grandmas uh, who are in target shooting competitions. Which is based on a true story, and instead of hiring women in their sixties, actresses in their sixties who, you know. India's been making movies for under over 100 years. There are actresses in their 60s. They hire two 30-year-old women and put them in old-age makeup. It's terrible. Terrible. Uh, this year, she is in Badla, Game Over, Mission Mongol, uh, Saad Ki Ankh. That's the one with Bimini. Shabash Mithu, which I don't think has come out yet. Yeah. Yeah, and you hated Badla. Yeah, I hated Badla. And Game Mission Mongol is, um, yeah. okay. what if Hidden Figures was about a man? No, I was thinking last year with uh, Men <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, this felt did like. Did you a... like Topsy Panu? Yeah, I thought she, I thought she did a good job. Um, yeah. I liked her range. She felt like a very whole person. Um, and yeah, part of it was because that first hour is watching her being really upset and sad, and and like you're with her through all that. But when that third act kicked in, she also nailed that like nailed that sort of watching watching her come to the realization that no she has to i guess or we're still we're still in spoiler territory please we're let not me gonna know. leave it so oh, yeah we're in spoiler yeah. territory for the duration yeah but the the video game sprinkling on top of it uh made it feel like a black mirror episode to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, and you wouldn't be the first one to make that comparison i've, I, I've seen that in reviews you could see that yeah, yeah. and maybe it would have worked better as like a Black Mirror episode is something shorter because at an hour and a half, it's again like there's not enough to. That's why parts of it feel kind of I think drawn out, and you're wondering where it's going, why we care about this haunted tattoo. Which is funny because this is like I when I looked at the time, I was like, why is this so short? Like mm-hmm. that that's half the time of the other movie that we watched this week, right? Like, mm-hmm. and yet somehow there was there. I, I think <laughs> one could have used 20 more minutes to just sort of breathe a bit more. So I don't know. I mean, but this isn't a Bollywood movie, so. All this stuff with like the, the, the woman that we see murdered in the opening with her mother, like coming to Topsy Pino and like this connection that she feels and giving her like the letters that she gave her and stuff. Like I understand like, how the haunted tattoo ultimately makes thematic sense in the third act. I just think all of that stuff is handled with like a certain kind of like strange sentimentality that doesn't feel earned. Well, and it's coming from like pretty grimy first 10 minutes and then huge tonal shift. Like it's dealing with some pretty difficult topics like post-traumatic stress disorder, home invasion, murders, and losing your daughter and all this stuff. If it had explained her sort of obsession with Pac-Man better, that might work better for me. Like, it's a defense mechanism that she just plays Pac-Man because it's a world that she could control. She could beat the high score or something like that. I don't know. Ben has explained the Pac-Man to me. I now, I I, I'm, I find it fascinating to hear, like, how certain aspects of, of kind of gamers and game developers' lives um, seem accurate. Well, yeah, like, yeah, she's she's hacked this thing to play Pac-Man, but, like, she could play literally in a, any other game. Lots of games give you three lives. Lots of games are kind of about dying and coming back to life. She could have been playing Dark Souls. 
I don't know. Like people still like even though people play like more. I don't think sub- people play Pac-Man that often. Pe- let me speak. Even though people play <laughs> more sophisticated and maybe engaging games, they still play Bejeweled. Like yeah, which, yeah. Th- and this is why I think it's an intentional choice because yeah. because so much in this movie is almost too much of an intentional choice. Like the idea of the previous victim surviving cancer just like hits you over the head with this survivor theme, right? In a way that is a little too obvious. And Pac-Man to me feels the same way. It's like, yes, they could be playing any game. So I'm going to give the director the benefit of the doubt and say they chose Pac-Man for a reason, you know, for like a thematic reason. Uh, I have to say before going any further that, uh, the tattoo is not from Indie Game the movie, and I oh. error. I looked it up. Wow! Breaking news, everyone. Here yeah. it is. And it's not, and it's just it's bad tattoo. <laughs> it's still a bad design, and I suspect that the logo for Indie Game the movie was also a bad design. And you just you just did it have the kind of Space Invaders bug thing in it? No, it had like a Super Nintendo controller. Oh, okay. oh so it's similar, but it doesn't have the heart. So it's just oh. the, her tattoo is so generic that I think I've seen it somewhere and I don't know where. Um, sure. This like pixelated heart, it's just bad. It's a bad tattoo. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it worked out for her in the end though. So. And and honestly, the worst tattoos are on the tattoo artist that are <laughs> God, they're yes. clearly they're clearly just like temporary tattoos put on, and it's three of the same one, like, yeah. and then one odd extra one that's more detailed but there's three of the same tattoos and i just like could not stop staring at those everyone has had the same tattoo three times it just seems like a really big mix-up at the tattoo shop though like (laughs) if if i was using someone's you know cherished ashes in ink you would probably label that right yeah but what are you gonna do you got tattoos to tattoo yeah you could remove themselves yeah um another fun game to play in this movie is is picking out all the different games and game references because she has a sizable collection that spans multiple generations of games and way too many psps like you only need one if that of a psp and she has many was there any really deep cuts you saw well she had a lot of famicom games um Mm -hmm. yeah and but i but i wonder if they're famicom games because i don't know what the NES looked like or the Famicom looked like in South Asia. I don't know if they had a separate. This makes me want to go into this a little bit and do some research yeah. about what Nintendo releases looked like in South Asia in the 80s. Like did they have did they have closer to the Famicom style small carts that we're seeing or yeah. uh, that are different colors um cuz that that I noticed a lot of those in the background which was fun. Um I'm trying to think of other like weird peripherals because she had a lot of weird peripherals i was just impressed with the shadow of the colossus i was impressed that you, that you noticed that one well that's such a beautiful game it is <laughs> it's a good poster too i was yeah. I, I also pointed that one out like in my notes um yeah they've talked about making a movie of that game for like a long time and i don't know i've never played the game but i've watched people play it. i don't know if that's possible it's you actually killing the big monster that is where like that emotional yeah. connection is from and that would be hard to do in a movie like you'd be sad but you don't feel like you did it yeah and would it be as beautiful 
Who's to say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else to say about uh, Game Over? Well, yeah. Like, did you guys en- like? Did you enjoy watching the film? I like. I said I find this a frustrating experience, but that third act to me kind of like makes it worth it. Because I I love a good slasher film. Yeah, and I would say that this is one of the better South Asian um, thrillers I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it it went places, right? Like it was it was grimy, and you really want those guys to die. Um, the guys at the coffee shop too. Maybe she and can kill those guys later too. I do think it is empowering. Like I, I agree with what Ben was saying that like it's smart that they don't have that moment where she like steps out of the wheelchair and stands up. That like that all those um, those fight sequences, those those violent sequences at the end um, are within kind of her limited capabilities, mm-hmm. um, and it just makes it that much more kind of intense and I think I think meaningful. I was wondering how heavy those sort of footstool things are that you could hit someone with them. And it's really well shot, especially that last third act, I think is really well shot. I think your point about Giallo is very spot on, um, as well as kind of it's more kind of grindhouse aspects. Like, yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think that aesthetic comes through. In a very it's just unfortunately way. you get 20 minutes of kind of a Hallmark movie about a, <laughs> a woman whose daughter is reincarnated as a tattoo. Yeah. But I, I did love that idea. Like, it is a good idea. It's. I would like to see a. I would like. I would have liked to, in some ways, see more of that. I mean, this would have maybe betrayed the seriousness of this movie because it is a profoundly serious movie. It deals mm-hmm. with all those things that you mentioned and more. Um, but it being on her wrist, you know, I guess I kind of wanted to see a little bit more of this haunted tattoo exerting control, maybe. Well, it would. It w- if she had more of a connection with the dead girl. Like, if it was her sister who had died, and maybe that's another reason why she has PTSD, then, like, she would have gotten the tattoo to commemorate her dead sister, rather than it kind of coming out of nowhere. Like, that would have made more sense, and then you could eliminate the mother character, right? Like, she could have even used her dead sister's, um, her dead sister's ashes and still have the same effect. It's just that it completely comes out of nowhere. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I just wish the execution was better. And it's frustrating because there's stuff that I really love about this movie, um, but it just doesn't it doesn't nail it, you know. And it, it, this movie definitely has some problems that uh, other movies in the genre have grappled with and done similarly bad things with, where they're like, okay, because we're gonna do this ending, we have an excuse to be super violent towards women in really like disturbing ways that I guess is okay because in the end everything works out. No, it, it, it felt kind of, it felt kind of like, it felt like exploitation at times, like an, ex- mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but uh, the other thing of this is I left a field, but when you mentioned the third act and how it's shot, there's this one recurring shot where they fix the camera to the back of the wheelchair and it's like steady and it's great. I love yeah. the, uh, there's it's such a great shot. I haven't seen that. I don't think I've seen that in a movie. Um, but to go way, way back to the beginning, when I was talking about the different language of cinema in Bollywood, this, this doesn't have it right. This no. is mm-hmm. totally stealing the, not stealing, but totally taking the, uh, that Western slasher aesthetic. It, it feels like an American movie. Yeah. It's got jump scares. Like you would expect in a, in a Western horror film where, Bollywood movies do try that, but it doesn't really work quite the same. And it has an interval. I know that Netflix didn't show you where the interval is, but there there was one in the theaters. Um, but even the runtime kind of feels yeah. you know, Western. And the lack of kind of 
songs. Well, and then like she doesn't have a brother who's doing some other thing. Like <laughs> it, it is lean and mean. Whereas we've talked about this on Handy Horror five years in a row now, but like you can't have a two and a half hour long horror movie. It just doesn't work. Well, tell you, that to. Uh, you can't be scared for that long. Tell that to. Uh, oh, I forget the name of the guy who made Doctor Sleep, but. Tell or that to him. it number two or. Yeah. These sort of prestige <laughs> horror movies, you have to be like 90 minutes. Or Ari Aster. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely Ari Aster. <laughs> like, yeah. But, Pres- wait, you don't prestige? like Ari Aster? I think that he is overrated. I like him. I like him. Matt and I disagree on this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think like the gender politics of the film are really, and and I am not, I'm not a gamer. I'm sure people have picked up on that over the course of. You play episode. Kingdom Hearts one and two. That's a, that's um, an accomplishment. But, yeah, it does. You're a gamer. Does it? Okay. Yeah. You, also, your haunted tattoo. But like the the gender politics in the the gaming community right now are really kind of horrifying to watch from the sidelines. Um, and so I thought it was. I don't know if the film is. I don't know. I don't know if it's trying to make a commentary about like everything that's been going on with Gamergate or if it's like aware of that i think it's aware of it i mean that i mean that's kind of tamped down now but they went on to elect a president so yeah but as as ben has kind of mentioned the film does kind of want to have its cake in it it's too in regards to violence against women yes and that is potentially problematic though we spend far more time watching like Topsy Pound would be sad and getting over well, uh, and watching various things. Like, Topsy Pound kind of, like, we do see her killed a couple times because of the structure of the third act. But, you know, we spend more time watching her kind of, like, kind of have to rise to the challenge, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you know, kind of horrifyingly find ways to, to, to kill these guys. Then I think we spend kind of, you know, in that, that really grimy opening. But it, that grimy opening makes such an impact. And it's pretty cruel. Yeah, we really want those guys to get got for sure. Yeah, it felt like scream. Yeah. Yeah. How come she has so much money? <laughs> She's a game developer. I mean, I'm, we're looking at your mansion right now, and it's pretty impressive. I have a. <laughs> your butler is sitting right there. He's been patient this whole time with you. She's clearly yeah, we think it's it. really nice that you recorded this poolside. Yeah, your <laughs> helicopter looks uh, like I think the shade of blue you picked is quite, you know, attractive. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, ben, where can people find you online, and where can people play speed dating for ghosts? And if uh, you want to come back and talk about movies where people fall in love with ghosts, we can make that happen. There's quite the backlog of those. So, <laughs> I mean, I would love to do that. Uh, the I mostly on Twitter. Uh, my name Ben Jelena, B E N G E L I N A S, is 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 usually where I'm found online, but, uh, and, and speed dating for ghosts is on steam. It's not nearly as horny as it sounds. It's a lot more just sad. Uh, so if you like being sad, you should play that game. Uh, <laughs> you're like Isabella Rossellini in uh, the saddest music in the world. If you like beer and being sad, I'm your girl. <laughs> yep. I am your girl. If you, if you, if you, uh, if you want to be sad. Such a beautiful film. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like I feel weird ever talking or like talking about myself and like a hey buy my buy my book like well, I you don't can know. buy you can buy control too i mean i've been wanting to play that one it looks great i've heard nothing but good things about it yeah it's, it's all right i, I mean, <laughs> it's great too i don't know why i said it like that i actually it is great I, 
I'm, I'm still kind of working on it. Like this is why you're not in the sales team, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. So, <laughs> Matt, you and I will be back in two weeks. What are we doing? We are finally, after many years of people asking us what we think of these. We're gonna... Have people been asking us what we think of them? Yeah, oh, okay. they have. Right. Uh, we're going to be checking yeah. out uh, Salman Khan's, probably his signature series, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like the only series he's in Lately, that he's yeah. like the main character of. Tiger, at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. His second signature series, the Devong films. Yeah, so, so Devong 3 is coming out. Uh, so we're going to go see it, and we're going to also talk about the first two films. Uh, so it'll be a big Debong episode. Uh, we'll see. Will we find out if all cops are bastards? Only one way to find out. Uh, I think technically that episode is due to come out on December 24th, um, which is kind of a big day for us. So might come out a couple days late. but mm-hmm. uh, Still got to go see Debong 3 and watch the other two. So Yeah, but it will be our next episode. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, you can check us out on Twitter at BollywoodPod. I'm there, too, at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm at Erin Fraser, E-R-I-N-E-F-R-A-S-C-R. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We very much appreciate it. It's the only way in the world you can possibly get Biffle points. So you got to do it. Uh, While you're over at Apple Podcasts leaving that review, you can subscribe to my other show that I do with Paul Matwichuk called Trash Art in the Movies. Uh, We are currently working on uh, an episode that I think might appeal to listeners of this episode uh, about magical things that happen at department stores. So we're going to be talking about Mannequin and um, In Fabric, the new film from Peter Strickland, which is about a haunted dress. That kills people. That kills people. Like, who does does not want to... Watch a movie about a killer dress. <laughs> I want to watch that movie. There you yeah. go. Yeah, so, yeah, it's brand new. Um, you can also find us on uh, Tumblr and Facebook. Just search us. You'll find it. And uh, we'd like... <laughs> Tumblr.com slash Bollywoodisfillers and Facebook.com slash Bollywoodisfillers. You could have found it. Um, and we'd also like to thank Becca Dalkey for the use of our artwork. Uh, it's a great picture of Tuffy. Yeah, such a good dog. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Thank you for having me.